Welcome to Two Hours No Traffic, a New York-Philadelphia sports podcast. I am your host, Spen Harris. Philly Brandon is not here today as some family matters to attend to, but we have an awesome episode for you guys, an incredible guest, a good friend of mine. We've actually known each other for about two years now, it seems. Right? Is that it? Yeah. I think so. Two years. Alex Wilson, founder of Empire Sports Media. He covers the New York football giants for Empire Sports Media. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. I'm always happy to talk New York sports, man. You know that. Uh, any chance I can get to talk crap about the Giants and how bad they're sucking right now. And I'm a huge fan, man. You know, we're both big fans. And they stink. And I'm excited <laughs> to talk about that. <laughs> so it's, it's funny because like in the – Previous years I've known you, you've been a fairly optimistic, positive Giants fan, right? Like that's mm-hmm. your your nature. I think this season has cracked you, Alex. I think that me. something has happened inside of you where you're just you don't believe in Gettleman. You're 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 whatever about Joe Judge. I don't think you hate him, but you're not crazy about him yet. Is that a fair assumption? I follow that's, you on that's, Twitter. That's a pretty that's a pretty fair. I've been uh, like you said, optimistic for sure. By nature, I always want to be positive. I can't live with myself being a pessimist. You know what I mean? Like I, I cover this team every day, every second of the day. If I was to only be negative, I would I would have already – I'd be gone from this earth, man. I don't think I could survive it. So I have to be positive <laughs> for my own sanity. By the way, if you ever want to watch Alex react to, to the Giants fucking up his night, uh, at Alex Wilson ESM, you can follow him on Twitter. He's already got a hefty following on about 16,000 followers, at Alex Wilson ESM. Um, okay, so the Giants, they're 0-2. I mean, two very different games against the Broncos and the Washington football team. Uh, one was really close. They kind of had it. They, they lost it on, on a last-second field goal, and then the, the Denver game – was more competitive than the than the, the final score, but the Giants just couldn't really score on offense. So after two games, Alex, what are some things that you need to see throughout the next three to four games to have any faith that this team can can compete for a playoff position in the NFC? So that's the big question, right? What can the Giants do better? And the answer is everything. You know, there is not a, there is not a single thing the Giants have done that have convinced me that they are a good football team. And it ranges from the players individually to the coaching staff as a whole. The mistakes that they've made coaching-wise, you know, this defense supposed to be a top five, top ten unit, has not shown that. You know, we expected them to be leading this team. The Giants would might have won, you know, the first and second games if that defense played up to expectations and potential. They have not. You know, we give up 30 points to Taylor Henneke. I don't I didn't even know that guy existed. I didn't even know that guy existed on this planet Earth before that game. And he came out and scored 30 points. He had three career touchdowns. Going into that game, he had two in the game. So, you know, when you score two plays, you, all you need is two plays to score a touchdown against the Giants defense, which we thought was a top 10, top five unit. That is a big, a big sign that there is something going wrong back there. There is a miscommunication. The scheme is off. And I think that, you know, Daniel Jones looked a lot better, but there's still a lot left that he left on the field when it comes to missing some receivers, uh, throwing behind them. You know, that Darius Slayton drop, you know, a lot of that's on Slayton. You can't drop that if you're a professional football player. But I will say Daniel Jones has a, has a serious problem with not putting air underneath his balls. And that's, you know, pause for a second there. But you know how it be. So <laughs> I like you that. Gotta, I like that. You got to put you, – you have to put more air underneath the football because you have to give your receiver a chance. You know, throw that ball high into space instead of throwing absolute laser beams 
when you're trying to hit him in stride. He did he does this a, a lot, and he did it to Kenny Galladay a couple times. He's got to get better in that way. The defense has got to get better. You know, Joe Judge in his first game threw a challenge flag um, when somebody called a timeout or was yeah. a, a someone scored play. a touchdown. Yeah, and he threw and a flag he challenged, and, he, and they review all scoring plays, and you're like, "What are you doing, you can't man?" Beat yourself, you can't beat yourself. If you're gonna beat yourself, you don't deserve to be in the NFL. You don't deserve to be coaching a head coach. You don't deserve to be winning games. That's the thing. The Giants seem to play um, like self-inflicted free football, and that's what they need to do. If they can play a perfect game. Um, execution wise, they will win. That's that's why Bill Belichick is such a great coach, by the way. He disciplines his team and they play perfect football. They don't make mistakes. They do what they have to do. They're in the right places when they're supposed to be. The Giants are just not there yet. I don't know if they ever will be. Yeah, that's a that's a good breakdown. And and like you said, Daniel Jones hasn't been playing terrible, but there are a few things that he can clean up. Um, who, who is a guy on this team right now, Alex, through two games? despite 0-2, that needs to be talked about a little more because they're playing actually pretty good. Is, is there someone that's not being talked enough about on Giants Twitter who deserves more credit? Two players, um, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. He's a guy that, you know, offensive linemen go under the radar. That's just the nature. You, If you don't hear an offensive lineman's name, it's probably because they're playing well. That's the thing. If you hear their name, you know they suck. Nate Solder, everyone knows his name, and he freaking sucks. <laughs> when you're looking at good you know, point. another guy, Sterling Shepard, he's a guy that's been absolutely feasting. I have on my fantasy team. He ranks 11th right now in uh, overall fantasy points among receivers. He's killing it. Really, really excited about him. I called it during the offseason that he was going to have a career year with a lot of attention going back to Saquon, attention going to Kenny Galladay. So I'd say those two guys, Andrew Thomas, and Sterling Shepard, definitely the guys that are standing out on offense. Dan, you could throw Daniel Jones into the mix if you want to factor that last game in against Washington. Had a pretty good game. Defensively, um, it's been pretty ugly, man. I, I don't – I don't. maybe Darnay Holmes. He's a slot corner. He's done pretty well but kind of stayed quiet. Nobody else has really stood up and really had consistency. Logan Ryan played well the first game, but then after that, I didn't, I didn't see him at all um, against Washington. On the flip side, who's been the most disappointing – on this team and and you have a ton of options to choose from. So, so please only give me two or three. <laughs> um, That's a good question. I'd say Leonard Williams, definitely disappointing. I haven't seen him really make that pass rush impact that we paid him $70 million to do. He's missing Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle. I'd say Nate Solder. I didn't expect much from him to begin with, but he's, he's so much worse than how bad I thought he was going to be. That it's actually disappointing. Honestly, if he was just bad, I'd be like, okay, but he's terrible. So it's like, okay, he's actually disappointed my already bad projection for him, um, which is not good. And then, of course, Kadarius Tony, who who's only had 19 snaps, you know, and that's more of a coaching staff decision, you know, only 19 reps on the football field. He's ran some good routes, just not getting targeted. He's not getting the ball. And, you know, I don't know what it is that they're doing. He should be returning kicks, doing something to make an impact. But disappointing, nonetheless, to see him as a 20th overall pick, first-round pick. You got to – if you draft someone first round, they have to make an impact right away. You cannot be sitting them on the bench. Um, and I think that for the most part, they're, they're just not giving the ball. Hopefully that will increase as time goes on though. That's a great point. Has there ever been a, an ex Patriots player that came to the giants that met expectations? I'm trying to think about it, but like Dion Lewis was one of them. Wasn't great. Garbage. He fumbled great, all the time last year. Right. Nate soldier pro bowler on new England. Right. We get him all of a sudden forgets how to block. Cam so, Fleming sucked. Nate Ebner sucks. All, all these guys, right. man, they play for Belichick. <laughs> Once Belichick's done with them, the Giants swoop in. Oh, maybe we – no, no, you can't get it. Once, once they leave Belichick, they're done. Except oh unless God. you're Brady. Unless, unless, you're, Brady. unless you're Tom. Unless you're terrific yeah. Tom. Yeah, which, which, which then you're starting to realize now, maybe it wasn't all Belichick. Maybe it was all half Brady. Because Belichick, I know, you know, they spent a lot of money. They'll find their way. 
But, you know, watching what Tom is doing right now in Tampa Bay is a big eye-opener that he is the best quarterback maybe to ever live. You know, I'm, like he's straight yeah. up is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to sully Tom Brady or, or argue that, although I found a video of myself from like maybe six or seven years ago, quoting the entourage line. I want to meet Tom Brady one day and tell him he sucks balls. Turtle. Turtle. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I was like big Giants man. I was like 20, <laughs> 19 years old and I just I had that video. But um, he met. Him no, <laughs> no, uh, I, I guess my, my point was going to be like as great as Brady is. Brady never did what Bilicek did to uh, Zach Wilson last week. And we'll, I'll, we'll talk about the Jets in a little bit, but the seeing ghosts with Sam Darnold, the four INTs with Zach it wasn't Wilson. Sam. That's all That's all Bill it was Belichick. The Jets. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. And I watched that game. My uncle's a big Jets fan. I always make fun of him. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, look, as a Giants fan right now, I got I to gotta express that anger outward somehow. So right. better, what better way to do that than make fun of all my Jets friends yeah, and, and family? So, um, you know, Zach Wilson, man, he looked like he had no idea what was happening last week. Uh, given the offensive line was a disaster. They looked awful. The receivers were not running good routes. He had no separation. But Zach Wilson was just throwing balls up to throw balls up. You know what I mean? He was just throwing it because he he didn't want to take a sack. He didn't want to get hit. He was just trying to make something happen. He was lofting. And I'm try- and I'm starting to think like, the Jets just have a way, and I hope – and look, I thought they had a great offseason. Carl Lawson going down sucks. You know, Makai Beckson going down sucks. Um, but the Jets find ways to destroy players. And I think – I don't. I hope to God that doesn't happen for Zach Wilson because I really liked him as a prospect. Um, you know, his mom's kind of annoying, but for the most part, he, he's, a, he's, he's, a good, he's a good player, and he has a bright future, and he could be a face of this league. You know, he could be one of those guys. Um, but it really comes down to his development, and they – and they're just not doing enough to help him. And I, I don't know if he'll, it's too early to tell, but I, I hope he really gets there. I think he's going through the rookie, the rookie struggles right now badly, but you know, he needs to see these things to get rid of them in the future. Week, week two, you go up against one of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to kill the kid for throwing four picks against the Patriots. If he goes and throws like five picks against the Falcons or, or, or a shit team or the giants, then, then we have some cause for concern, but, uh, He's into his second game. I'll cut him some slack. Um, so I guess this will be the last Jets thing we, we we talk about, but you got three quarterbacks. Sam Darnold in Carolina, Daniel Jones in New York, Zach Wilson in New York. It's early in a lot of their careers, but who in the next 10 years is the best quarterback out of those three? Of uh, Zach and Daniel? Zach, Daniel, and Sammy. Sammy Dubs. Uh, the, mono, the mono king. The mono king. Um, oh, it's such a good question. It's so hard. I... Oh, man, I want to say Zach. I want to say Zach. I just don't trust the Jets. Yeah, you know Zach is a is a talented quarterback. Man, he can do it. He can sling the ball. He can throw downfield. He can move. I just don't trust the Jets to to develop him. You know, like their franchise is stuck in purgatory. Same same with the Giants right now. I don't know if they can develop a quarterback. Um, and you know that's what happens sometimes when you have a rookie head coach. You know, Rob Sala. He's a great guy, great. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but is he capable of developing a quarterback and, and helping his quarterback? Who knows? You know. Then you look at uh, the Giants, Pat Shermer. You know, he was he was a first time quarter, uh, first time head coach. And you have Joe Judge, first time head coach. At a certain point, maybe we're done with the whole first time head coach guys. At some point, you know, maybe like you bring in established people. Like, or look at Urban Meyer. Apparently, he's like. Apparently, he said to Vic uh, Fangio. I heard that. Denver, yeah. 
Yeah, he, he said, said every he week you're like, playing Alabama, right? That was yep, the quote. What, and exactly. And like, you know, when you get the paycheck, it's nice. But when you realize that you're going up against coaches that are just as good as you, that would kick ass at, at the collegiate level with a ton of recruiting money too. You know what I mean? It's like you don't just get to recruit guys and you have whoever you want at the NFL level. But like these first-year head coaches, it takes time. And like Joe Judge, you know, he's in his second year and whatnot. But it's just it's too early to tell for a lot of these quarterbacks. I I would probably just go with Zach Wilson because I think Daniel Jones has already been ruined to a degree okay. by you know by yeah. the coordinators. That's that's a good point. You also look at the last two Super Bowl winning coaches, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians, guys who have been head coaches forever since you and I were still in diapers. Essentially, they they've been around the NFL for a long time. Uh, so I agree with that. I'm not a fan of the the you know special teams coach from New England or the offensive coordinator from Minnesota that one year. Just you're, you're right. At some point, you got to go in a dif- different direction. I also think that, you know, Dave Gettleman is someone who hasn't made the best decisions as, as the Giants general manager. But you and I are going to get into that because it's, it's just not worth it right now, Alex. We have too much heartbreak in our lives as Giants fans. We don't have to talk about Dave Gettleman and his terrible decisions. But I, I do have a few more Giants questions. So we talked about the Jets. Um, who on the Giants is more likely to get their mojo back? Is it Kenny Galladay or is it Saquon Barkley? Ooh, um, probably Kenny Galladay because say because Jason Garrett does not know how to use Saquon Barkley. I've been saying this for a year and a half now. Saquon Barkley is not an inside zone runner. He is not a power runner. You do not want to use him in that way. And Jason Garrett has no idea what he's doing. Straight mm-hmm. up, has no idea what he's doing. And I think they should be using him more as a receiver. They should copycat the Saints playbook when it comes to using I, I was back. just thinking of Alvin Kamara. The second yep. you said that he came to mind. Yeah, that was, that's what they should be doing. Yep. He's not as good as a route runner. I'll, I'll give you that, you know, Saquon, but using the outside zone runs, getting him into space, even you trying to get him more involved as a route runner, give him reps, get him involved, get him the ball in space, you know, scheme, scheme him open like the Saints do with Alvin. Um, the problem is which what we saw last week is that when you don't have a good quarterback, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? A good quarterback right. makes a good running back. Running backs don't matter in the, anymore. Like I've learned this the hard way. I was so happy about Saquon. He was a generational gold jacket level player. And the end of the day, look what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with their undrafted free agent rookie Tyson Williams. I'm starting in fantasy this week because they run the football so well, no matter who the hell is back there. Right. Saquon Barkley yeah. does not matter. Tyson Williams matters because you don't have to spend $20 million to pay Tyson Williams. Saquon Barkley is going to take up a ton of money and you're going to be stuck with a contract that you could have spent on a freaking right tackle. Who isn't Nate Solder, the turnstile from, from Trader Joe's. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's over. I, I you do. Know? I do. I get it. Look, I, I think everyone was excited and disappointed with the Saquon pick. I think that we all wanted Sam Darnold that year. Um, and you see what he's doing in Carolina when he's not playing for, for the New York jets. And he's an impressive guy. And, um, as great as Saquon was that rookie year, it was always going to be difficult to have a great line built around him with a quarterback who's not elite. And, you know, let's face it, the Giants haven't had like a top three or four receiving core in in a long time. I mean, they just don't ever really. So you got Galladay this year. Cool. Um, He's coming off an injury. I mean, Shepard and Slayton aren't slouches, but, but they're not. 
I, I look at teams like Tampa Bay. I look at teams like Pittsburgh. They just have these ridiculous receiving cores. So it makes life for Big Ben and, and Tom a little bit easier. And then it makes the run game a lot easier. Like it all connects, Alex, but you're right. If you bet into that running back position first, you're almost setting yourself up for failure down the line. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, the final point on the Giants, it's not even guys that are on the team right now, but how great has Eli Manning and his brother Peyton Manning been on the ESPN2 Monday Night Football broadcast? And the part two of this question is how much do you miss Eli in a Giants uniform? Look, watching those guys is awesome for one major reason. Oh, two, actually a couple of reasons. One, obviously being like the banter between them is hilarious. Um, but the second thing is I, I feel like I'm watching it with them. You know, commentators, like when I'm watching, half the time I'm not even listening to the crap they're saying because like half right. of it is absolute nonsense. Like right. I don't care that in 1825, the quarterback of Denver threw for six touchdowns just like Teddy Bridgewater. I don't care. I want to hear Eli Manning and Peyton Manning call each other butthead. Next <laughs> to me. You know, that's what I want to hear. Like that's that's fun. And like they bring in cool guests. You know, we saw Russell Wilson um, in overtime. We saw, you know, um, Gronk. We saw Travis Kelsey. They have some awesome people who had, who have actual stories and tell give you some insight. And they're talking X's and O's and and Peyton Manning's big ass heads in that little helmet. This is the stuff I want to see. That makes the game more enjoyable. Like, of course, I love watching the game too. Um, and I think it'll get better. There's some there's some portions where they're talking over each other or like they're not watching the game while like a big play is happening. Like they have to iron these things out. But once it gets a little bit more smooth and professional, and they keep that same level of like funniness and like Eli and Peyton kind of uh you know camaraderie I think it'll be like absolute awesomeness like they're gonna they're gonna end up replacing commentators unfortunately down the road with people like that like brothers like you know Gronkowski and Tom Brady down the road or so you know who knows and it'll be so much better than listening to Troy Aikman and Chris Collinsworth you know you know enjoy Dak Prescott's two-yard run way too much <laughs> I'm with you I, I gotta say I think like all of us knew that Peyton had that charisma he had that personality he was always going to be in the booth or, or i you know he has potential to be like a late night talk show host i didn't know that eli could be that entertaining on television and he's just been such it's been such a good surprise and like i tweeted this the other day i think he can have a late night talk show host just because he's he's so personable and he's so relatable bro like eli is is the epitome of, of if you or me just like became famous and had ridiculous football talent just no, he's a normal guy. He doesn't act like a celebrity. He's a dad. He's a dad before he's a celebrity. You know, he's great. I just love Eli so much. I'm sorry. Going on an Eli off on an no, Eli tangent him, right now. You, you could go on Eli tangent every day, man. <laughs> Eli's like, I haven't seen Eli talk as much as he has on that, on the Monday Night football show. Then I've seen him talk in 16 years with the giants, you know, like crazy. And and it's also, it's nuts because you're seeing, you know, Daniel Jones not have a ton of success his first few years in the league. And you, you think back, okay, it wasn't all Eli, you know? What was was Eli declining? Was it time for him to retire? Sure, all that stuff is true. But it could also be true that the Giants never really put a team remotely close around him the last five, six years of his career. And that's on the Giants. That's on Gettleman. So, you know, God, look, one more team that we got to talk about in football, talk about them briefly, but this is a Philadelphia sports podcast as well, the one-and-one one Eagles. Uh, I don't really think we know anything about this team yet. They, they come out week one. They kill Atlanta. They come out week two. They lose pretty convincingly to, to the 49ers. Big test Monday night coming up uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, winner of that game will probably get first place in the division for the week, assuming Washington loses to Buffalo. 
I, I mean, what are your thoughts on on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles through two weeks? Look, my thoughts are simple on Jalen Hurts. I never thought he was a good passer. He's a decent runner. The Eagles have an awesome offensive line, like a great offensive line, and he can't throw the ball. You know what I mean? Like when you have an offensive line that good, you have Devonta Smith, you have Jalen Rager, you have some good receivers, you have Zacherts, you have um, Dallas Goddard. You got to score, man. You got to be able to score, and they just can't score. Like even though San Francisco's defense is decent, um, Atlanta's defense is is you know terrible. So like you should be scoring. I think they scored thirty two on them. Um, you know, it, it's thirty two is expected against Atlanta defense, but right. I just don't think Jalen Hurts is like a great passing quarterback. I think he's a good running mobile quarterback who can connect short passes like he can he has some good throws he has some throws and i'm like okay those are those are good throws he just doesn't do them enough um and i think that you against better defenses he's gonna have a tough time i don't think he's the future i think that i think the eagles honestly played their cards really well this offseason they have three first round picks next year yep. if they want to go out and get a quarterback they can they can go get sam howell they can go get malik willis uh, Spencer Rattler. There's a ton of there's a ton of guys. I don't know how good any of them are going to be. Um, Matt Corral. There's a ton of good players coming out. Um, they can pick whichever one. I love Malik Willis out of Liberty. The guy is an absolute tank. Uh, so I'd go check him out if I were you. But you know, Philadelphia also just lost Brandon Brand uh, Brandon Graham on defense. So or it's ACL, big, right? Big, yeah, or Achilles or something. So yeah. a huge loss for that defense. Massive. He's their best player on defense. Like no no questions asked. He's their best player on defense. It's going to put a lot more pressure on the secondary because when you have uh, your best pass rusher out for the year, your your secondary is going to have to pick up the slack because the quarterbacks going to have more time in the pocket, they have more opportunities to throw the ball downfield, and the secondary just you know can't hold up forever. So I think they're going to have some they're going to have some issues moving forward. If you had to rank the four NFC East teams, how would you rank them? Um, I probably go Dallas. Well, with Ryan Fitzpatrick out, well, I think Washington, despite them beating the Giants, I don't think they're better than the Giants. I think they got lucky. They had a couple awful uh, calls for the Giants at CJ Boardhold and Darius Slayton dropping the football. I think the Giants yeah. are better than Washington. And I th- I'd probably say Dallas, Philly, Giants, Washington right now. Okay. But I think the Eagles and Giants could end up swapping spots yeah. by the end of the year. Dallas is definitely just the better team overall. It's a stronger team. They just, they just don't, you know, even if they make the playoffs, they're going to lose like first round. That's just right. Like, how they do it. Dallas does a good job of beating the teams that are usually worse than them. Occasionally they'll beat a team that's better than them. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're an actual football team. I think the other three teams in our division are, are not complete or as complete as the Cowboys. Uh, real quick. I got a little bit of basketball news and, and then we'll end the show. Um, but we got to talk about this Ben Simmons shit. So he has reiterated throughout the summer. He does not want to play for the Sixers anymore. That whole uh, experience of, of getting destroyed for passing up the layup in the Hawks series to essentially lose the series in Game 7. Uh, Doc Rivers didn't back him after that. He said he wasn't sure. Or the question was, is Ben Simmons a championship caliber point guard? Can he be a point guard on a championship team? Doc said, I don't know the answer to that question. That isn't backing your guy. Uh, and Bede was, was pretty vocal after that too. So Simmons was like, you know what? Fuck it, guys. I don't want to play for this franchise. Now he's not reporting to training camp. The Sixers tried to shop him. They couldn't shop him. And Doc Rivers went on, uh, it's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Kellerman now. That's the show. He went on that, that radio show this morning, and he basically walked back his comments. Keyshawn asked him, he goes, can Ben Simmons be a point guard on a championship team? Doc Rivers said, yeah, all day. So he said, he also said he's going to try to convince Simmons to, to stay, 
Uh, Rich Paul is, is Ben Simmons' agent, and Rich Paul is notoriously known for essentially running the NBA with his clients. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this, and is there any way Philly can come out of this not looking like idiots? Well, first of all, they asked for way too much in return. You know, like when you're saying no, you're like, mm, I don't know if it can be that. And then you're asking for a ridiculous amount in return. You're never going to get what you want. And I think that now they're walking it back. These executives aren't idiots. You know, they know what's going on. Like they, they see this the comments. Daryl Morey we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Pretty, so, pretty established guy. Yeah. So, you know, I will say, do I think Ben Simmons is capable of being an elite point guard? Watching him dominate gym members is not exactly my for is not exactly what i consider elite point guard play <laughs> right right i agree with um, that so is can he be a great player absolutely but he's got to be in the right place he's got to have the right coach he's got he's got to have everything right he's not a lebron james that you can bring on to the pistons and suddenly they're a good team you know what i mean like it's not it's a different ben simmons needs the right scenario he needs the right people around him and teams aren't willing to give away they're gonna they're, they're you know philly's asking for players asking for picks it's just, you know, you, you, you're not going to give it all up for Ben Simmons. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And um, Joe Lacob, the owner of the Warriors, got fined because he said some things about Simmons. Basically, they, I, I guess he was he was asked uh, if he would make a move for Simmons. The Warriors have been in trade rumors. And he said something on the lines of like, yeah, I don't know if we can make a move for a guy we can't trust in the fourth quarter. And he got fined for those comments. Um, so I, I, the Warriors might be out on, on Ben. But no, it's it's an excellent point. I, I look at what the Bucks did in last year's offseason to get to the championship, and they made that move to to acquire Drew Holiday. Now I'm not sure if Drew Holiday is a better basketball player than Ben Simmons is, but the Bucks needed a third guy, and they got Holiday, and he became that third guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have the MVP Giannis, you have Middleton, you have Drew Holiday. That's a solid three. I think that's where Ben Simmons can fit in that Drew Holiday role. So if you're the Timberwolves and they're they're the team out there that, that's rumored the most, I don't know if you have enough to even make a trade for Simmons. But even if you get them on the team, is Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, and like is that a good team in the West? I'm not really sure. Uh, and then the rookie they got last year, Anthony Edwards. I don't know. Uh, like to me, a team that might make sense is Portland. But can he play with CJ and Dame? That's a weird backcourt. You get three guards there, so. He's a very interesting piece because he can't fucking shoot, but he's an elite passer. He's an elite rebounder. Uh, He does a lot of things well. In the regular season, he scores pretty easily. He can get to the basket. He's got a few of of Giannis's power moves to the basket, but it's a really weird situation. And in a lot of ways, Philadelphia basketball-wise is the best place for him. They they really are because you have Tobias Harris. You have Seth Curry. You have guys that can shoot. You don't really – You've never needed to ask Ben Simmons to shoot the ball. You just needed to ask him to step up in certain situations in which he has. So it's a weird situation. If I were him, I, I mean, I would – he can't go back to Philly. That city does, just hates him right now. You know, I, I'm looking at Ben Simmons, and, you know, he's a 6'11", 240-pound point guard. I think he might be better off playing like a small forward or like DeMar DeRozan um, because DeMar DeRozan does not shoot. He, yeah. he goes to the rim, and, you know, he plays better – um, and I don't, I don't bend to Simmons. It's not very physical, so it's hard um, for him to really establish himself, you know. But a point guard that can't shoot is useless to me. That's that's the modern NBA needs elusive point guards who can shoot, and that's just not his forte. You know, I I wouldn't trust him. Like like uh, you know, what's his name said? You know, you can't trust him in the fourth quarter because the guy can't freaking shoot. You know what I mean? Like I, I was watching, I was listening to the LeBron James last night, right? 
on um, the Calm app. He has like a whole, he has a whole little like uh, segment telling him, you know, about his, how he focuses in when he has the last shot in the, in the final moment. And it's all about focusing on the shot. It's all about like blocking out all the noise. And Ben Simmons can't even get to the point where he's taking the shot. You know right. what I mean? Like <laughs> he can't even get up there and say, I'm confident I'm going to make this because he's not a good, he's not a good deep range shooter. He can't shoot right beyond, right below the perimeter or beyond the perimeter. Um, you know, he's a 30% shooter from three point. He only averages 0.2 attempts per game. Um, he's a, he's a rim driver. And I think for the most part, you know, 14.3 points per game with what, for what they're asking, you might as well go get Alfred Payton at this point. Like, <laughs> I just don't think yeah. so. I don't think it's it, worth it. It's also, you know, I look at the fourth quarter, right? He had some abysmal stats in the fourth quarter of those games against the Hawks. And I think like, that's the opposite of Kobe, Kobe Bryant could sleepwalk through the first three quarters. But if that game was close in the fourth, he was coming out firing and he was probably going to hit those shots. Ben Simmons won't even attempt those shots yet in the first few quarters, you can see him being aggressive. It's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a weird mental thing with him. Um, I want to finish off the show with a little Nets Knicks talk. Uh, the Nets general manager, Sean Marks and, and head coach Steve Nash, they had a press conference. I think, was it this morning or yesterday? I can't remember. It was very recent though. And um, I think it was this morning. And um, basically, you know, without getting into specifics, it just seemed a lot more businesslike and a lot more just focused than last year where, you know, it was the first year where KD and Kyrie were healthy. The, the Nets, I, I don't know if they were the front runner last year. They might have been the second or third team pick to win. But it was more of a feeling of excitement. It was, in, you know, this is a new team. We're excited. Now, you know, you listen to these guys, you listen to Marks, you listen to Nash, what they said recently. It's strictly business now. This is not a season to have fun. I mean, you obviously want these guys to enjoy themselves, but but this isn't a young team just having fun. This is an established team of veterans, a lot of guys who have not won championships, but Marcus Aldridge, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, um, these Bruce Brown, these role players who have been been in the league for a little bit. Uh, Paul Millsap haven't won championships. You have James Harden hasn't won a championship. These guys are. It just seems like they're 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 ready, and and it's 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 more of a business approach this year than it was last year. So I'm not sure if you heard anything about that press conference, but uh, you've seen the offseason move for the Nets, and I mean, what are your expectations? Look, if you ask Michael Jordan if he wants to have fun on a basketball court. He says no. I mean, of course he's having fun, but his his way of having fun is being businesslike and professional. You know, right. if you want to be a championship caliber team, you got to do everything right. You can't be messing around. You can't be, you know, just goofing around in practice. You got to train like a champion. You got to eat like a champion. You got to think like a champion. And I think the Nets are getting there. They just have to stay healthy. You know, the Nets are a championship level team. They're that talented. They just have to stay healthy. I was, you know, I was at the Kevin Durant game where he put up fifty points. I was there too. Yeah. The playoff game against the Bucks. Yes, Earth. I was there. There you I go. Should have connected. I was definitely yeah. there. Game five. I, know. I was drunk, so I probably was, <laughs> I was not. I was not like, uh, in the right mind. Um, but you know, being at that game, you see what Kevin Durant can do on his own. You see what kind of player he is on his own. The thing is, at the, at the at the end of the day, you need all three of them. You need Kyrie. You need you need James Harden because Kevin Durant comes off the bench and the other team goes on a run. You know what I mean? Like you need those guys to be healthy. So I think having those key role players to mitigate fatigue, which is what the Knicks are doing with Derek Rose and Kemba and Miles McBride and Emmanuel Quickly, and you know they have all these guys who are going to help mitigate fatigue for those big guys, Obi Toppin for Julius Randle, 
um, RJ Barry, you know, you know, you got Evan Fournier, you got Alec Burks, all these guys to help mitigate fatigue for their star players, their best players. And that's what the Nets need to be thinking. We can't be shouldering the load on all of those top guys. Otherwise, they will get hurt. They are all injury prone, except for Durant. I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but I would say Harden and Kyrie uh, are definitely injury prone. I get you back. Yep. All right. Yeah, you froze out for a second. You finished with the Nets can't have the three guys shouldering the load. That's where you cut out, which is actually a, a great place to cut out. You're right. Three guys shouldn't have to shoulder the load. Um, a name that you know was a huge offseason acquisition. I didn't mention this guy before because he's won a championship. Is Patty Mills. Um, getting getting depth like that, a guy who, who's been there before, he can come in, he can hit big shots, uh, kind of what you expected from Landry Shamit last year. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, is you know, people who think that the Nets can just win with a big two, um, they could, but but the way this team is constructed, they need all three guys. And Isaiah Thomas, I think, was on record recently saying the Nets are not a championship team without Kyrie Irving. Now, they haven't won it yet, but the way the team's constructed, you need all three guys. Harden didn't leave the Rockets to go to a Nets team with just KD. He knew Kyrie was there. These three guys wanted to play together. So that, that's, that's the last thing I'll say about the Nets. You brought up the Knicks. You mentioned a ton of players. Um, uh, four seed last year. I think it's fair to say you guys overachieved, yet there's a lot to be excited for this year because the Knicks are a team on the come up. They have a lot of young talent. Um, the guy I love watching in summer league that you, you brought up, Miles McBride, that guy can play. So, I mean, you know, tell me why you're so excited as a Knicks fan this year. The fourth seed might be a little bit high, but but tell me where you think this team is, is going to land uh, at the end of the season. They, the Knicks did a tremendous job, not only helping themselves now, but setting themselves up for the future. And when I say future, I mean when Zion Williamson's contract ends with the Pelicans. That is what they set themselves up for. Two years down the line, all of their contracts pretty much expire. Derek Rose, Nerlens Noel, um, Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, they all have expiring contracts in two years. Now they did a couple of them sign three-year deals, but the, those third-year deals are club options or team options. So they can say, we don't want to, we don't want to keep those guys around. The only guy that has a four-year with a, you know, a, out in the fourth year is Evan Fournier. Now they're going to have a ton of cap when Zion Williamson hits, hits the market. So they can offer him a massive offer sheet if they want to. Uh, what I will say is right now they did a great job of building a solid foundation, right? Last year, they had a lot of issues at point guard specifically. They have Emmanuel Quickly, who they really featured at point guard during summer league play. Miles McBride, who shot, I think, 53% from the field and 50% from three-point range during summer league play. He was an absolute stud, had the biggest hands, biggest wingspan in the entire draft class of point guards. He's a sleight-of-hand master. He's really good at pickpocketing guys, really good in the passing lanes. Quinton Grimes really came on the last couple games in the summer league. Really, I think he had a couple of 20-point games. Uh, so he looked good and plays really good defense too. They have a lot of good talent, man. They have Kemba Walker replacing Alfred Payton. They have Evan Fournier replacing Reggie Bullock. Those are two guys that get Mitchell Robinson back, their physical center, who can guard the perimeter, one of the best defenders from the at the center position in the league, in my opinion, when he's healthy. Um, this team has the potential to be in the mix at from six to four, right? That's that's like you said, they overachieved for sure. They overachieved last year. Um, mainly because a lot of teams just went through really bad situations, losing streaks, injuries. Right. This team, this next team is going to be fighting in that four to six range, but I would not. Once they get to the postseason, man, they're going to, if they're all healthy and they're feeling good, they're going to be, they're going to be serious. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're going to get rocked over by anybody. I'll say two things about the Knicks. One, the Nets Knicks games, no matter what the talent disparity is, all of the, the two last year were very close. I think it was two or three games they played. The Nets won all, all, all of the games, but they were relatively close. There was that controversial call, um, or, or 
was it a non-call or where they called the travel on Randall, right? When Kyrie swatted out and they called the travel. So it's always fun to watch the Nets and the Knicks go at it, especially when they're both competitive. It's, it's not as fun for Nets fans if the Knicks suck. So I want to go on record and say that. The second thing is, if I've learned anything from watching Julius Randle, he really does a good job of motivating himself. And, and you've seen him uh, come from the Lakers as a young player. I think he spent a little bit of time with the Pelicans, right? He was part of the AD trade. And, um, and now with the Knicks, he's just gotten better and better and better. And even though he was disappointing in the playoffs last year against the Atlanta Hawks in that first round, I think that's something that he's going to use throughout the year. And I think if the Knicks are able to get a playoff spot this next season, I think you're going to see a different Julius Randle in that first round. I think he's going to be better. And I think he's going to be ready for that playoff intensity. That, that's that's just a guess of mine. And, and I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm, I'm someone who, who watched a lot of Knicks games last year because they were entertaining. But uh, I really like you know, what, what he brings. And, and like you said, they added depth to that team. They, they got as good of a chance as anyone in the East to be like the, one of the better teams outside uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and insert team three, Miami, Boston, whatever the fuck. All right. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say those, it's going to be tough man. the East is getting better and the Knicks got better, but the teams around them got even better too. So it's going to be a freaking battle. I'm so excited. This, this year, basketball, if you're a basketball fan is going to be so much fun to watch. We have some good teams in New York. Finally, it's going to be an absolute war. Um, I'm hyped for it. And if you're a Giants or Jets fan, I mean, basketball can't come soon enough. Like seriously. I'm so excited, man. God, oh, man. God help me. <laughs> All right. That does it for this week's episode of two hours. No traffic. We thank Alex Wilson from Empire sports media. Again, you can follow him at Alex Wilson ESM. And I'm going to leave the listeners with this guys. Fall is here. Okay. Summer's gone. Soup is cool. Again, football season is in full swing. If I can make one suggestion to everybody listening to this, this show live or on the podcast, go outside, go to a tailgate, have a beer, go apple picking, Go to the movies and see a Marvel movie or Venom 2. I don't care. It's time to enjoy life again because the worst season of the year, the summer is over, which doesn't feature football or basketball. And the best damn season of the year, the fall, is upon us. And I will leave the listeners with that.